What is up, fantasy people? You are back with the True North Fantasy Pod. I am Trab with my man Tyrell McLaughlin. Ty, how you doing tonight, buddy? Chilling, chilling. Good, man. Good. I am super excited to be here today. We are, of course, a proud member of the Fantasy Points Media Group, where you can find elite resources, tools, analysis, all of that jazz cabbage at fantasypoints.com. And with our promo code 21TRUENORTH10 in all caps, uh, you can get 10% off of their subscription over there and uh, really reap the benefits of all of the all of the good stuff that's going on over there at Fantasy Points. Um, Ty, we've got some big news on the website front ourselves today. We just dropped a brand new website for True North Fantasy Football, buddy, and uh, we are, needless to say, excited about it. Yeah, the uh, Fantasy Points Media Group is definitely killing it this time of the year. And for all the DFS people who are flying back into the swing of things, there's nobody better to be following than guys like Scott Barrett, guys like Wes Huber, and even a guy like uh, you know Jake Tribby, who we had on recently. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely stoked about that and uh, emulating the Fantasy Points team. Um, I do have to apologize. We're a little bit late for the show tonight because I was having a little bit of issues. Apparently, my mic doesn't work anymore, so I am on my earbuds today, but we're going to have a good show nonetheless, Ty. Uh, what are we talking about tonight, buddy? Yeah, I mean, we're going to go through a lot of the offseason news, not the offseason, the uh, preseason, I beg your pardon, uh, some of the news and notes, biggest takeaways that we have uh, going into the regular season here, because drafts are definitely in full swing now that the preseason is officially done and the roster moves that have obviously uh, come across the last couple of days with all this player movement. We're going to dive into some of the biggest transactions on that front as well. Uh, because there is a lot of fantasy takeaways, not just from the smaller names that get released or move teams, but uh, some of the tea leaves, the smoke signals become clearer for what these teams want to do so far as usage and players and roles and all that stuff. So we can start to glean some of the the projections and uh, marry that with what we, what we saw during the preseason and what we're hearing coming out of those teams. So I think uh, we could just kick it off right away with the biggest one. And that's Cam Newton. You know, I, I think it's pretty amazing that Cam Newton got cut, but at the same time, he is such a big personality. And uh, I think it signals that they're really going to let this kid cook. And uh, when it comes to Mac Jones. And so, you know, getting into that, I think it's a good way to let Mac Jones have like, it's 100% going to be this kid heading into the season. So with that said, Trav, do you think this has like, this has to rise all boats in the fantasy Harbor for these Patriots skill players, eh? Yeah, I think the mac and cheese is in the pot, Ty, and uh, it's starting to boil over a little bit. Um, maybe not into like elite fantasy offense, but I'm uh, definitely a little bit more excited about James White, and I was still kind of on him as a late round running back for sure. Um, I think this could put him up into like top 36 category because uh, we, you and I were talking a couple days ago about it, and it could have him in line for a little bit more red zone work. I think Mac Jones is probably a safer bet for the dump offs to James White. So that's the guy who I think rises the most. Um, and I think uh, just right behind him is probably Damian Harris with uh, the potential for more red zone work with Cam gone. Cam was taking a bunch of that work and he put in 11 touchdowns last year. So um, if we see that Cam was doing that as a fullback at the goal line, uh, Damian Harris could give us double digit touchdowns this year. Um, so I think he could end up paying off as that running back too that we were hoping for with um, with Sony now gone and then uh, Mac Jones in. I think it's lining up nice for him. So you do have him in that RB2 range, eh? Like a top 24 guy? 
I don't think right inside the 20, top 24. I think it's just outside. I think I'm at like 27 or something like that. Um, but that might be a little bit conservative. I'm going to be touching it up with the last couple of days before the off season to get those ranks in before they lock down. Um, but I think I'll probably have him probably right around the top 24, if not just a little bit outside. Yeah, I don't think, uh, like, there's no doubt there's a how high is too high, how high could he climb, how high are you willing to select Damian Harris if you're doing a fantasy draft this weekend? Because I think he does experience another uptick in value, uh, at least via market perception or whatever. And he's a guy who's already risen in average draft position throughout the offseason with Damian Harris. So I still have him as an RB3. Funny enough, I think I have him sandwiched between the Rams running back, so Daryl Henderson and right. Sony Michelle. Yeah. But I just, you know, it's it's obvious why I'm not gravitating towards Damian Harris in a draft is just because I want the Miles Gaskin types. I want the the Chase Edmond types, the guys who offer that huge upside in the passing game. You know what I mean? And even mm -hmm. among the profile of running backs who don't offer that element, uh, like give me Gus Edwards right now, right? So really yeah. it does just, it comes down to the pass catching for me, the defined roles in that Patriots backfield and the fact that I don't really see a range of outcomes where Damon Harris has like a top 10 running back season and PPR yeah, especially. Fair. Yeah. And then James White, you know, is somebody I think you'll get rounds later at, to your, to your point. Uh, and somebody you could go acquire cheap in, in dynasty leagues, I think. Mm -hmm. And he's definitely the biggest winner out of all of this, I think. So how high is too high for him? Do you think James White deserves flex considerations all of a sudden, like, or is RB three RB four range too bold for you? I think he could be like a, a top 36 running back. I have him right at around 40 right now, um, 42. I've got him at specifically. And I think he probably could come up a little bit and be inside that top 36 just with, you know, the PPR format and the fact that uh, he's going to be getting a lot of those dump offs. And he had a surprising amount of targets for how like insignificant his season seemed last year, you know? Um, but he, he had some pretty good work in the passing game with Cam Newton. So I think without Cam Newton, I think it's going to be even better. So top 36 is definitely in the range of outcomes. I don't know if I would put top 24, like this isn't prime James White days with Tom Brady, one of those elite running back, uh, targeters in, in the fold, but Mac Jones is, uh, he's, he's a distributor, man. And, and that's what this offense and needs, I think. Well, I think that, yeah, like, I don't think the ceiling is there really necessarily with James White. I think he's a high floor play, especially in PPR leagues. And uh, like 2018 was a high variant season for him. We can see that from a Tariqo and a James White once in a while, but that was also on the back. I think he scored seven receiving touchdowns that season, and there probably mm -hmm. won't be 30 plus passing touchdowns in this offense, uh, even with Cam Newton, Hat Newton going out the door. Um <laughs> You know, the one guy also I think we should mention if we're talking about Dynasty and how I think James White's an easy buy in that format, Ramondre Stevenson probably Ooh. moves up and gets an uptick in value. I remember he had a 2,000-yard Juco season, one of the best Juco seasons of all time, really, before landing in Oklahoma and arguably kind of chasing Trey Sermon out of there. And uh, the point is he's a big, massive guy, and if they aren't planning to use him at the goal line or in short yardage situations, I'm not sure uh, – how they're going to use them. I keep saying that, mm -hmm. but uh, is there anybody beyond the running backs that we should be targeting in this offense? I'm a big proponent of Jacoby Myers. The market oh, yeah. has seemingly caught up a little bit over the off season. And now he's probably likely to experience another bump in like market value. And then you also have the two most expensive free agent tight ends of 2021. And we will definitely still see a ton of two tight end sets in new England. So Johnny yeah. Smith, Hunter Henry, who, who are you targeting uh, outside of the running backs in this offense? 
Yeah, well, I think like what you said for Jacoby, it's just another feather in his cap. We were seeing him be targeted heavily with Cam Newton in the preseason already. And I think with Mac Jones coming in, we just know there's going to be a little bit more accuracy coming from the quarterback position, hopefully. And that bodes well for Jacoby as that slot guy who's going to get some heavy targets because we've seen that be fruitful for fantasy football before in this New England offense. But to your point about the tight ends, I was already kind of liking Johnny Smith a little bit with his ability to do it on his own, maybe despite the quarterback play. But I think this bodes really well for Hunter Henry, man. Some of those some of those goal line carries that Cam Newton was going to be taking, like he did last year, like a heavy, heavy dose of them. Some of those could turn into red zone targets for Hunter Henry, because I think that's the only avenue really where Hunter Henry is going to pay off for me was if he puts up that close to double digit double-digit touchdown season. So I think this gives him a better opportunity for that because when they're down inside the five, they might try to up some stuff for those tight ends as opposed to just put Cam Newton's head in the pile, you know? So I like it for Hunter Henry as well as somebody that I could I could see having that top 10 tight end season now, whereas before I wasn't so much on that. Um, yeah, I, uh, you talk. Yeah. Go, yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I, I, I don't think there's a lot to still like, I think it's still tough if you want to target these Patriots or not add value because the market is going to be wise. Like they are going to increase in value in the next couple of weeks when a lot of people's drafts are going to take place. And mm-hmm. outside of Jacoby Myers, like I'm, I'm down to kind of buy high on a Jacoby Myers type, especially in dynasty, yeah. because he has that built in, uh, like he's not that expensive. And I think, uh, he could pay off like a wide receiver three season and you're getting for like wide receiver five prices right now. Oh, and then yeah. James White's another really cheap guy. That's a way to attach to this offense. And just to circle back, like Mac Jones is, you know, like my quarterback 30 or so in fantasy because he's just a zero in the, in the pat in the rushing game, you're basically banking on like a handful of high leverage, big time throws per game. You're banking on like hyper efficiency on mm-hmm. those shots. Yeah. Downfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So you mentioned uh, got the bus a little bit earlier. So I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit of JK the Dob Goblin. I'm just going to pour one out for him because uh, a couple weeks ago with Jake Tribby, he was one of my guys. And we just hadn't gotten to it yet on the show. So like I said, we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on that backfield in Baltimore because it is uh, one that will see a plethora of fantasy points no matter who is in there. Um, so definitely pouring one out for, for J.K. Dobbins. Ty, I had J.K. Dobbins right at around running back 14, uh, 13 Sorry, previous to the injury. Do you think Gus could reach those heights or what are your expectations with Gus as the lead back here in Baltimore? Yeah, I mean, some people's inclination might be, you know, there's two guys and you had one guy's, you know, a top 15 guy. And now there's just one guy. How is that guy Mm -hmm. not a top 15 option? I just don't. That's not the way I necessarily think about things. Um, You know, and and just to circle back, like, I cannot believe that, like, this is just a lesson. You see ATN and he's a rookie. Maybe you can excuse why you have ATN and they're trying to acclimate to a new offense, whatever. Mm -hmm. This offense, like he was in it last year. I just don't see why you have to put him in there. I guess to win your 20th straight preseason game, set the NFL record for Baltimore. But uh, clearly, you know, a mistake in my opinion. And they showed that by pulling all their starters like almost immediately after that. And I think I was wasn't game. happy either. JK well, wasn't and, happy about it. Like I, it was, it was against Washington, I think, who played like none of their starters. It was just, yeah. uh, it was kind of weird. And uh, I think the biggest takeaways here are Lamar Jackson moves up, whatever. Uh, you think this means for, you know, I'm saying Baltimore's experienced a lot of injuries. We could say right now that Rashad Bateman was placed on the IR. We knew something was coming when Baltimore kept seven wide receivers on their 53. So 
that's very interesting. And, uh, you know, there's still Hollywood. He's, he's hasn't practiced much this entire off season. Yeah. So there's a lot of concerns here and it could be a very run heavy offense, but I think this team could struggle in like short, yard, uh, short yardage situations, yeah. maybe even down around the goal line. So I don't think there's a lot of winners here throughout the preseason when it comes to Baltimore, who we kind of three weeks ago thought was uh, Kansas city's biggest competition in, uh, in the AFC. And I'd also rail against, you know, how, how many points do you expect from the running backs behind Lamar Jackson? Because a lot of this was the talent that was JK Dobbins for me, because last year, the Ravens only scored the 14th most fantasy points in PPR leagues at the running back position. Like it is a lot of Lamar that has led to the Ravens smashing NFL records for rushing over the last two seasons straight. But there's no doubt that Lamar Jackson also builds in like a ridiculous amount of efficiency, right. For whoever the running back is. And Gus has borderline historic yards per carry numbers among running backs through the first three years of their career. It's crazy. We saw also for fantasy, what he was able to do down the stretch in 2018 when it basically was all, Gus Edwards, you know what I mean? When he was a yeah. solid contributor to a lot of league winning fantasy teams, uh, you know, as the running back behind Lamar Jackson, who was bursting onto the scene from weeks 11 on that season. Yeah. With all that said, Trav, he was just an RB too. You know, he wasn't a league winner. He was a solid contributor to a league winning team is how I phrase that purposely because he, he is going in the running back dead zone still in my rankings. And he just doesn't check a lot of the boxes when it comes to what I'm trying to figure out when I'm identifying running backs that will break out in that range. So mm-hmm. do I want him over Damian Harris? Yes. Do I want him over Javante Williams? Probably maybe Josh Jacobs, these other running backs that I don't Ooh. think have huge ceilings because of the pass catching. Yeah. I will listen to that argument easily. I will understand if you want to take Gus Edwards over any of those running backs. So he's basically just a, a back end RB two for me. And another guy similar to Damian Harris, I just don't see having that top 10 upside. Uh, despite liking their situation. I also think uh, they're going to add a running back, right? Like I think it's interesting they haven't signed anybody off the scrap heap because right away I threw out somebody like Jordan Wilkins, who I think would be really interesting uh, because, you know, uh, the Colts kind of have a surplus there with what's-his-face Darius uh, Jackson or whatever, kind of having a really, really strong preseason there. So I think that would be interesting, and I just think – maybe people are going to overblow the situation a little bit for the running back, especially if it's just Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. Unless, Ty, unless Matt Breida gets freed from Buffalo and were to end up in Baltimore, that would have me super excited just for that big play potential that we were kind of hoping for from J.K. Dobbins. I'm not saying Matt Breida is going to fill those shoes necessarily, but I would just like to see that man get some carries get some work in an offense that's centered around the run, because I think um, he's been buried on the depth chart too long, man. He needs to come back to, uh, to prominence. Um, but to your point, I think like if we're going to draw any positives for anybody, maybe Mark Andrews, because with Rod, not from JK Dobbins, sorry, but more so from the Rashad Bateman news tie. Um, Mark Andrews is like the big body guy that they have. So red zone targets are coming. Um, uh, some downfield targets are probably coming for him as well with Marquise Hollywood Brown out. And we could see a couple flash games from Sammy. So all I'm saying there is just be ready to sell Sammy Watkins if he blows up early this season and uh, get out on him um, as well as um, this, this passing game that's probably not going to be putting up big points for the wide receiver position um consistently so i think if if anybody's blowing up especially in a season-long league i'm probably getting out on that guy in the passing game in baltimore 
Yeah, and I definitely think uh, this is setting up for uh, another classic week one Sammy Watkins breakout, no doubt about it. DFS totally. target Sammy Watkins. <laughs> Fool me I, six yeah, times. <laughs> Mark Andrews is 100% another takeaway, yeah, for sure. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he has been the unequivocal wide receiver one, you know, per se in this offense since Lamar Jackson took over in week 11. Easy, easily, yeah. And, he, and he's um, due to experience some touchdown regression. Like, he should have a spike touchdown season this mm-hmm. year, I think. Get your Mark Andrews, folks. I'm going to keep rolling, Ty. We got lots to cover tonight. Lots and lots to cover tonight. Lots of fun stuff. So I'm going to roll through some other ones here. T.Y. Hilton just went on the uh, the IR with Chris Ballard saying he should be back sooner rather than later. He had neck surgery. Um but yeah, Ballard said he should be back sooner rather than later. So it's one of those boomerang IRs where he's going to bounce back um, and and be there probably within the first eight weeks or whatever. Um, but I'm curious, Ty, does this make you more on to Michael Pittman? Uh, would you want more of him on your teams, would you say? Or is there anybody behind him that you don't mind? Because Zach Pascal, remember, is on the COVID list as well. And I thought he probably would have been the next guy in line if he was healthy. Um, but then you've got Michael Strain or Strachan. I'm not sure exactly how to say it. It's supposed um, to be Strahan, but I knew okay. a guy named Cam Strachan. We pronounce yeah. it Strachan, so I, I don't know. Strachan's like the hockey pronunciation, maybe, because if he's on a hockey, if he's on on the ice, you're calling that guy Strachan. Um, and they also so, have uh, Paris Campbell coming back from injury as well. So pretty thin depth chart at wide receiver for the Colts. So Michael Pittman, I think I'll take if he's there. You know, the problem is you have to take him at wide receiver four prices and you can't expect much more from his floor than wide receiver prices. And his ceiling is definitely up for debate. I am definitely uh, out on an island saying that the Colts might have one of the worst passing games in all of football. And I just think this offense might might really disappoint if their uh, defense lets down a little bit. So Michael Pittman, I like. But I think he needs a little bit of a confluence of events to give you that wide receiver, that top 24 season. I'm not sure he's the mm-hmm. the big breakout guy this year. And it might have to be on the back of touchdowns anyways, because you got to think a lot of this deep work might go to Paris Campbell, might go to an outside wide receiver. I do like Michael Strand as well. So I think that's an interesting name to keep in mind. He's just such a small school guy that, uh, you know, we, we didn't even give much credit to in the pre-draft process, but definitely a guy I knew who he was. So I think... That's very interesting. They also signed somebody we liked from the Chargers organization, and that's Tyron Johnson. So I think Mm -hmm. we should throw that out there as well. And Kiki Kuti was also brought in, who could definitely maybe serve the Zach Pascal role, which, uh, you know, Paris Campbell ain't going to be out there for 100% snap. So I think this is going to be kind of a wide receiver by committee approach, but Michael Pittman definitely has the biggest upside but that upside is that of a possession wide receiver kind of uh, PPR option, in my opinion. Uh, so target the run game after all that. That's definitely what we're targeting in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on that. I just don't see like the huge upside in any of these guys. I think if anything, it's going to have to be volume driven. If these guys are going to produce for fantasy and top 24 would be far too lofty for me to say for any of these guys. Like if we were on a bold predictions epi and I uh, and T.Y. was healthy, I might say T.Y. could finish top 24. But I haven't seen it from Michael Pittman yet where I'm going to go out on that limb necessarily. Um, so I think that was a great assessment of the Colts passing game, Ty, because uh, it might be a bumpier road with that um, new beat up toy and Carson Wentz coming in there at quarterback. Um Another veteran wide receiver that's hurt, Ty, is Michael Thomas. He is officially on the pup list. Um, so true or false here, Marquez Callaway is a top 24 wide receiver while Michael Thomas is out. 
Mm, I think that's closer to his ceiling than his floor. I think people are very enticed by the deep work that we saw in the preseason, that connection with Jameis. Hopefully we see that. Traquan mm-hmm. Smith is obviously a guy who's he needs to get healthy first and stay healthy. So, you know, Traquan's a guy I really like the talent. We know he has that super 30 point week explosion in his range of outcomes all the time. So I definitely like Traquan Smith still because he's basically free at this time. But yeah. uh, I, I definitely I have a harder time getting on board with Marquez Callaway just because the steam is really building. You know what I mean? So where do you have to take him is a big question because in my rankings, he's like a wide receiver five. So yeah, I definitely feel like I'm a little bit lower. Am I willing to take him in like the 13th, 14th round? Sure. Why not? But uh, I'm not taking him over someone like Emmanuel Sanders, for instance, you know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, I like him. I like his upside, but I think he might have a different profile of range of outcomes than people are getting. Like he's closer to a Michael Pittman that, you know, whatever you think of Michael Pittman might be what you should think of Marquez Callaway, which is a pretty enticing option attached to, Jameis Winston and a Sean Payton. Yeah, he's basically the Michael Thomas, in my opinion, while he's out. He's the guy who's going to be catching these. He's the big guy who's going to be catching these screens. He's going to be going to, you know, Marquez Callaway on third down. Jameis is. So I I like Marquez Callaway. I just don't know if we can expect these, like, you know, 60-yard bomb touchdown contested catches very often if the Saints are even, you know, in a position to have to take that shot because I'm not sure they're going to do that very often. Yeah, they're going to have a, a much better defense for sure. Um, and I think they're going to try and, you know, limit Jameis's mistakes as much as possible. And I think um, we're going to get into a bunch of this stuff a little bit later. But I think, the, you know, the guy we might want here might not even be on the team just yet because there is the free agent scrap heap that has to be sifted through. No, um, um, no Perriman Jameis reunion, though. Perriman has signed. So no right. Jameis Winston, Brashad Perriman reunion, unfortunately. Yeah, but Tony, we'll Tony Jones season, Tony Jones season. Yeah, I think Tony Jones at running back. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So make sure you pick him up. Um, okay, moving along, Ty, continuing with the pup squad. We're going to talk a little Tariq Cohen is officially on the pup. Um, does this do much for you or does it just kind of solidify the target volume for David Montgomery that we saw towards the back half of last season? Yeah, I don't think it solidifies that. Like, I think Damian Williams, the assumption of rational coaching is a conversation or a rabbit hole we could go down. Uh, Sigmund Bloom's coin, ter- coin term uh, mm-hmm. is the assumption of rational coaching, assuming that, you know, coaches will do what we think they'll do. I think Damian Williams is somebody that we need to factor in. So, uh, yeah. like it or lump it, I just don't think David <laughs> Montgomery moves too, too much, especially because the, the writing was kind of on the wall throughout the preseason that yeah. this could happen. Um, so does he move ahead of someone like DeAndre Swift, who has, you know, received a lot of negative attention throughout preseason, whereas David Montgomery's experienced some uh, stuff that lifts his value? That's that's definitely up for debate. I just have all these guys in the same tier, so to speak. And uh, I have them on the wrong side of the running back dead zone cliff, if you will. Like they're guys that I'm usually targeting, you know, the wide receivers in that range of the draft there. Mm hmm. Totally. I have actually, just like you said, I have David Montgomery at running back 15 directly ahead of DeAndre Swift. Um, and and David Montgomery is an interesting one because I think for me, he's kind of the definition of being water because historically we have um, poo-pooed on David Montgomery a little bit, let's say, but we were just talking talking the other night, Ty, and you know, we're liking David Montgomery at his price this year. It could, it could be a good year for him in that Chicago offense with Justin Fields, hopefully starting sooner rather than later. So yeah, same for me. It doesn't really change much for Montgomery just because I've kind of come around and started liking Montgomery before that. So um, I think I think wheels are up there. Uh, and the last and, guy on uh, the... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. 
Well, just I just want Damian Williams to be out there one more time. Like I do think he has uh, not. I'm not saying he has flex upside, but he's somebody we should definitely pay attention to uh, because that role has existed until Tariq Cohen got hurt last year in season, and they didn't really have that option. Uh, having said that, I definitely think David Montgomery belongs in that third round of fantasy drafts, yeah. and also that that's where Perriman went, I believe, is to Chicago. By the way, just yeah, throw that out there. Very good. Very and good. Uh, with Tyron Johnson going to uh, where did he go? Indy. Yeah, to uh, Indy. I just wanted to also bring up Josh Palmer, Canadian. That's the guy mm-hmm. I think we should be targeting uh, as Mike Williams is still, you know, questionable. Yeah, exactly. Josh Palmer in uh, in um, the char- in Los Angeles is definitely a great last round last round pick in that deep wide receiver, especially because most of our leagues are start three wide receiver um, attached to Justin Herbert. You just kind of want to go for that. Um Last guy on the pop squad, David Bakhtiari. Is this a, is a, it's obviously a big hit to Aaron Rodgers' blindside tie. Do you think it matters much for fantasy football? Well, there's no doubt that the Packers had a like it's just a super elite season in terms of pass protection last year. That was a big part of Aaron Rodgers' success, no doubt about it. But uh, you know, hopefully they the scheme can compensate for that. They run a lot of play action, and he can turn his back to the defense, and they can scheme it up. Uh, and I have faith in LaFleur to do that. So, you know, I, it's a hit, no doubt. Is Aaron Rodgers already, you know, in line to experience a shitload of regression? Yes. I've been saying that all offseason that he's already going to regress big time. And, you know, a lot of people will heap a lot of blame on the offensive line regardless. I think we can anticipate that storyline existing throughout the season. But, you know, we'll see how it looks. But, yeah, not great that, you know, Bakhtiari is old and unhealthy and you lost uh your center Corey Lindsley to yeah. the Chargers who we just touched on uh over the offseason who's arguably the best center in all of football last year so that's a tough loss when you lose your center in the interior and your left tackle those are two anchors on your offensive line one of the most important elements to you know a team is the trenches and uh mm-hmm. everything trickles down from that offensive line so it's a it's a hit yeah but mm-hmm. you know it's not going to affect values and fantasy rankings i don't think yeah, no, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Um, one thing, Ty, that will affect the value of our listeners' fantasy league is uh, Trophy Smack. Um, with our partnership with Trophy Smack, using our promo code TNFF at purchase, if you buy a belt or a trophy, Trophy Smack will include a championship ring free of charge, which is like a $60 value uh, for absolutely free. So use that promo code at Trophy Smack TNFF when you buy a trophy or a belt and you can really level up your league. We got a lot of drafts coming. I just had one this past weekend and uh, we're definitely talking about getting some hardware for that league. That's one of my longest standing home leagues. I absolutely crushed that draft. So if any of the boys are listening, suck it. Um, But aside from that, uh, yeah, Trophy Smack's just a great place. I also have a belt for my, uh, my win in Kings Classic tie. I've got a belt on the way to my doorstep. So I'll definitely have that over the shoulder when I get it on the following podcast episode. But Trophy Smack, promo code TNFF, and get a free championship ring with the purchase of a trophy or a belt. So I'm going to, I'm going to roll right into the 49ers backfield really quick, just to touch on them. Cause Wayne Gallman was released. He's somebody that I had a few shares of in best ball. Um, so is this a bigger win for guys like Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon, whatever side of the fence you land on in that argument, or is this just a, you know, more of a encouraging sign for somebody like Elijah Mitchell, who is all of a sudden the RB three in a situation that we want running backs from for deep dynasty owners. I don't know. 
I think it's a little bit of both, man. I think it is a little bit of both because I think Goldman was that veteran presence behind Trey Sermon, right? And with Trey Sermon being a rookie, that veteran presence could have crept in for certain situations where he needs to use his football IQ, maybe some blocking and things like that, um, where Shanahan might have might have trusted uh, trusted uh, get Gallman a little bit more early in the season, and we wouldn't have seen Trey Sermon maybe have the season that we hoped he would. But I think Gallman being gone just kind of further cements like we knew that Sermon was going to get some usage. It just further cements that it's going to be a bit of a tandem between. Uh, Moster and Trey Sermon. And then on the flip side, I do think it's good for Elijah Mitchell in that he's definitely, you know, making that roster there with injury. There's a path for him to be huge, relevant, hasty. Uh, Kyle's saying is the running back three there. I think he's um, correct. Yeah. I, I, yeah, have I, think, I think so that. too. Like, I, yeah. like, and, I like Mitchell better. I think this could be like a, and Jeff a Wilson version of too. Sermon behind Moster where Elijah Mitchell is kind of just waiting to take over that role from Hasty, who's been there, where I think Sermon's going to do that to Mostert as well. So um, I think Elijah Mitchell eventually will jump it. But for those guys, I think it's just a vote of confidence for them that they got Gallman out the door to let them be guys in an offense where the third guy has been productive before. So I don't think at the start of the season, it's going to be more of a hit for Hasty or Mitchell to the tune of like five maybe eight touches a game kind of deal. But I, I think even that, I think it's mostly going to be Sermon and Mostert. So it's good for all of the guys here just because they want to be pieces in this backfield, much like we want to attach to pieces of this backfield. And I also think this is a vote of confidence for the expected return of Jeff Wilson early to mid season. Yeah. Um, Cause he he'll definitely be the clear RB three, if not even higher or, you know, in a defined role as a, one of the committee backs in this backfield. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think with Wayne Gallman being released, what I wanted to say is it's still, it just creates even more ambiguity for who the best pass catcher is in this backfield. And they were, uh, you know, Shanahan's just always going to use his running backs in the back, in the passing game. I think uh, no matter who the quarterback is. And right now it's looking like it's going to be Jimmy fucking Garoppolo. So he's hey. definitely going to hit the running backs quite a bit in my yeah. opinion. Um, the other guy I wanted to mention was Devontae Freeman, but I think we kind of touched on Tony Jones, but Latavius Murray and Tony Jones. Are you interested in Latavius Murray or Tony Jones as the RB2 for the New Orleans Saints? Because I really do think it is Tony Jones who's the running back two there. Yeah, I think it just could be an ugly split for any secondary touches between both of those guys. Like, I think... I don't know, Latavius, obviously we liked him beforehand, but you can't be on Latavius whatsoever. And then Tony Jones, like it looks like he's the second guy, but it's really kind of worrisome because I, I don't know how much Jameis is going to uh, – I'm not sure how that offense is going to shake up behind Kamara. I think he's probably the only guy I really want tied down that I think about it. I know you like using Tony Jones, but I don't think I'm going to be going in on him, especially with such a proven vet behind him as the third guy. Yeah. Um, so a couple more guys I got here is Jared Dokes was cut. He was a pick for the Miami Dolphins. That leaves a pretty sexy group in Miami in a situation that we kind of covet. Uh, Javion Hawkins was cut in Atlanta, a guy who wasn't even, he's not even a has-been, he's a never was at this point. And Reggie Bonifan, I think was interesting. He was cut making Chuba Hubbard the very clear RB2 in Carolina. Do any of those situations stick out? Is there any big winners uh, at the at the higher levels of fantasy drafts among some of those guys who got cut from some of those teams? Yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, JV and Hawkins, I'm pretty sure that the Falcons right now only have Mike Davis and Quadri Allison on the team. So I know like there's a lot of those um, draft scout truthers that were looking for JV on Hawkins and Jared Dokes to be like 
integral parts and I definitely could see those paths on both of those teams but it just didn't necessarily happen for either of them so I think it's just kind of a, a good thing for Miles Gaskin and for Mike Davis but not anything that makes me change my ranking for them or anything um, the big thing that I like to see was that Chuba Hubbard is solidified in Carolina as the backup to Christian McCaffrey um, because I think just in a situation like last year heaven forbid that he goes down and gets hurt but I think they showed some trust in Chuba Hubbard um, after getting them fairly late in the draft. After that big 2019 season he had, he came back with the down 2020. And I think he's in like a pretty decent spot as one of those guys that could be, um, you know, one injury away, almost in like the Tony Pollard tier, but maybe not in quite as good an offense, obviously. But kind of similar type deal where you got that horse running back ahead of him, just waiting for, for, um, an injury it's just you don't want to wish it but Juba's in a decent spot as a handcuff yeah and uh you know the Jared Dokes one I think is it was pretty obvious like there is three really good running backs in Miami who can all mm -hmm. play pretty defined roles in Miles Gaskin Salvin Ahmed and Malcolm Brown I actually want shares of all three of those guys and yeah. you know if I'm not drafting them in my home league style drafts uh they're going on my watch list right away um and then Javion Hawkins, I just want to point out, he already landed somewhere, uh, I believe, the Titans. Uh, don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty sure he landed with the Titans. Speaking of the AFC South, uh, the Jaguars had somewhat of a surprising cut, uh, releasing Colin Johnson. I brought that up in our TNFF group chat. Uh, they also yep. got Philly Dorsett, so I wasn't 100% right about that situation. <laughs> but, uh, Long story short, they, there's been some interesting wide receiver cuts, including the Tyron Johnson one we pointed out. We could have mentioned Josh Palmer here, I guess. But uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden was also released for Washington, who had some buzz last season. But it was because of the uh, really good play, I would say, of Dax Milne in the final preseason game, registering the only explosive play in that uh, Ravens game where they lost uh, J.K. Dobbins. So any of those moves that really stand out to you with Colin Johnson, Tyron Johnson, Antonio Gandy-Golden, H-E-G? Yeah, well, we talked a little bit about Tyron and how it's good for Josh Palmer. I really like that for him. I think, you know, going to Indy is probably good for Tyron Johnson, too, because the opportunity is wide open there. And uh, and he was a little bit buried on this depth chart because Jalen Guyton's really good as well. Obviously, they like Josh Palmer, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, blah, 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 blah. So I think that could be good for uh, for him. Um, I do like the Washington one, though. You talked about Dax Milne. I, I say it Milne. You say Milne. I think it's tomato, tomato. Don't really care. Um, but I think that's really notable because I want pieces of this passing game, especially with Ryan Fitzmagic in there. Um, and that team just looks really good. And, and, and I'm curious to see how the uh, weapons shake out. And I think he could be a decent little slot slot option. We got to remember he was um, being thrown balls from Zach Wilson. And I thought he looked really good at BYU. And I don't know why he wasn't. Um, given a little bit more buzz, but um, we like him coming out a little bit, and now the opportunity is looking decent because Antonio Gandy Golden was one of those big talent wide receiver speed guys, um, and with with uh, Milne coming in and doing that, they want a specific role, so I think it's a good sign for him. Um, doesn't really do anything for the other weapons though, you know, and I think it's just good for for that guy, and um, and that's that's about that. I, I'm not too worried about the Colin Johnson thing because his role as the big downfield, maybe red zone target was already filled by two guys in Jacksonville in Shark and uh, and MJJ. Yeah, maybe that's a vote of confidence for early season availability yeah. for uh, Mr. DJ Shark. Um, for sure. Speaking of availability being the best ability, 
Uh, John Brown, not available usually when he goes to Denver. But I love <laughs> some Smokey Brown, and I think getting released by the Raiders might be the best-case scenario for his fantasy uh, prospects in 2021. What say you? Yeah, well, I think uh, I love me some Smokey Brown, and I definitely um, want to see where he lands. We didn't like the Raiders spot, and so I, uh, I, I want to see what happens with Smoke. Um, all right, Ty, you got any final notes on these wideouts here? A couple other cuts here. Um, Royce Freeman was cut as well from the... Uh, and Mike Boone uh, on the IR. So yeah, the uh, yeah. the Broncos like their duo at the top of uh, the running back room. I think they signed a running back today as well. I can't remember who. Mm-hmm. And then um, Peyton, yeah. Peyton Barber in Washington was also cut just to stick with the uh, the Washington football team. And Jarrett Patterson, the rookie, is looking like he's going to be kind of the third string guy who could be behind Antonio Gibson if something happens. So um, good for him as the rook. Um, if he yeah, didn't that, drop Pat, he, like honestly, people would be drafting Jared Patterson if he didn't have some drops there in that final preseason. Like he, yeah, people love them. Some Jared Patterson, that production mm-hmm. was off the charts. One of the most productive backs in this running back class. He's just a short little fucker. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, right, Todd? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got um, one in the chat, Smokey. Yeah, Smokey, what's up, Smokey buddy? Sky, what's, what's going on down there, Smoke? <laughs> I love you, buddy. <laughs> um, so I got a couple more that we're going to get into, Ty, but I do just want to give some love to our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. We roll into another season with Monkey Knife Fight by our sides, and we couldn't be more thankful. Um, you can get in on all these player props and, and all these games and um, – you know, you can go in on a full slate. You can go in on a specific game. Like it is coming, and we can start making some money with Monkey Knife Fight. So, get in there, sign up. We got a promo code TNFF that'll get you an instant match on your first deposit of up to fifty bucks. Spend fifty, get fifty. Play with a hundy. It's uh, lots of fun over there for anyone with any knowledge and skill level. You don't have to be getting into the research or craziness, but you can on our new site, of course, to check out some cool stuff for that. Um, but uh, you don't even have to with Monkey Knife Fight because you can go in and say, this guy, is he going to get 64 yards? Mm, don't think so. I'm going to go with the under option. Boom. You can, you know, double your money or whatever it might be. So get in on Monkey Knife Fight. Promo code is TNFF at your first deposit. Okay, Ty, so we're going to move over to the Big Apple here. We've got um, some injuries abound there. Kenny Galladay is not looking great. There's always injuries in the wide receiver core in uh, in New York. Um, but when we look at Saquon, he's looking good for week one. Um, and then Evan Ingram is actually who I wanted to zero in on because he is uh, – he's looking like he could miss week one and he's been a guy who I've been touting as one of those, you know, potential top seven or so tight ends that you can get stinky late. Um, so with, uh, with that, do you think it's maybe like Sterling Shepard season or even Kyle Rudolph season at tight end potentially kind of love Saquon more. And do we think he should be getting more love with as the potential like top three, top five running back, which he's not being drafted as the last couple of weeks. Um, I think Saquon Barkley is a first round pick in your fantasy draft. I, I definitely think that uh, yeah, the wide receiver room is interesting because you know, that offensive line definitely leaves a lot to be desired run blocking and especially in the pass blocking departments. But yeah, Evan Ingram, it's, it's trippy because what do you do? Because tight end is such a, a kind of a wasteland with Ertz sticking in Philly. We're going to touch on another guy in uh, Minnesota in a second. So I don't know. There's uh, not a lot you can say about Evan Ingram, but, 
you know, I don't know if it's not like the deep passing that I'm chasing in Giants land when it comes to where are the fantasy points going to come from in this offense uh, outside of Saquon Barkley. I think there will mm-hmm. be explosive plays in the passing game. If there's nothing else that Daniel Jones brings, it's a little bit of athleticism with his legs and the deep ball, right? He was actually shockingly good per PFF uh, on passes that traveled 20 plus yards through the air last year. So that doesn't necessarily align with Evan Ingram's skill set. It doesn't not like he can work in the intermediate. He's just not the guy's going to be going down downfield. So I just don't know if it's not going to be a mix of people and schemes. And uh, I just don't know where it's going to come from, but yeah, it is Sterling Shepard season. <laughs> if you want to come in fourth place in your, in your fantasy, league. like I, I love Sterling Shepard. He's just the most boring fantasy asset. And he just doesn't offer what I'm looking for out of like a wide receiver five. So I'll just never, draft mm-hmm. Sterling Shepard, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, he, the target's got to go somewhere in this offense. There's no doubt because they are going to be playing from behind as much as I thought a month ago that the Giants winning the AFC least was a really you know sharp bet for futures. Uh, I've definitely come off that a little bit. So I don't really have a great feel for the Giants. I think it might be another rough season for the G-Men, unfortunately. And uh, I think Kenny Galladay will get used when healthy. So uh, that mm-hmm. also comes into play. And I think Saquon Barkley could lead this team in targets as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. I don't, I just don't really want pieces of it because I see what you're saying about the deep ball, but I think that's probably going to have to like, that's going to have to come from like Darius Slayton to start off the season with, uh, with Ken- Kenny Galladay being hurt. It remains to be seen if he's going to get in there, but uh, like I'm not like taking a shot on Darius Slayton. I'm I'm like you said, I don't want to finish fourth fourth place, so I'm not going after Sterling Shepard. So I think I'm just out because Daniel Jones has also looked awful. So it's Saquon or bust for me in this passing game, um, and I just don't think Kenny Galladay is going to be able to build any consistency. Maybe it's decent for Kadarius Tony. Like maybe he does get a little bit more work as he's got to get healthy spot. and yeah, in the offense yeah. too. Yeah, totally. So. Uh, who knows? Just uh, stay away if possible from that Giants passing game, unless you can get maybe Kenny Galladay on like a significant discount because of his potential ailments. Um, we talked Evan Ingram, Ty. We're going to stay in tight end land. We have a uh, Chris Herndon sighting, folks. Chris Herndon was traded to the um, Minnesota Vikings from the New York Jets. Um, it's looking like Herb Smith could potentially miss the opener. He's four out Minnesota. four to six. Oh, I think four he's to six. Big time. Okay. Nice. No, like I did not see that. I will, uh, I will double check that. No, for sure. So do you think with that being said, Ty, I can double check that while you answer here. Um, with that being said, do you think Chris Herndon is maybe finally viable in fantasy now that he's at an offense that we can kind of see what it's going to look like? No. No. I think <laughs> I think I am not that interested in the fourth option in Minnesota's yeah. passing game. I think that's a drum I've beat a lot, and it's yeah. why I wasn't drafting a lot of Irv Smith, even though I like the talent that is Irv Smith. I like the profile of tight end that he is for fantasy. I just didn't like the situation one bit. So, uh, you know, and they, okay. you know, Minnesota, Minnesota, just uh, they're a team that I, I like a lot, but. I like them as a condensed offense right now. Like, I think a lot of this is going to funnel through Adam Thielen, Justin, well, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook. And I put a tweet out a while ago about, you know, the games that these guys saw five plus catches and five plus targets, and these tight ends were just not in that mix. Yeah, I just saw the news. Yeah, Irv Smith got 
to have surgery on a meniscus and they are preparing for him to miss the entire season. So um, one guy bites the dust that had some of that upside at the, at the tight end position. So, um, you know, we're reading through the muck there a little bit, but um, I can't, I don't think just like you, I don't think we can expect anything other than like a touchdown week here or there from Chris Herndon in that Vikings offense. And, and- not when we're attacking. Well, I also put a tweet out about like, it was really crazy outlier efficiency in the red zone when it comes to touchdown rate for the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins last year really embodied the historic efficient season that quarterbacks had as a position last year, the record setting year when it comes to scoring in the NFL was kind of a ref- it was reflected pretty well by, by this offense in Minnesota and so people could even point to, you know, the final foot because Kyle Rudolph's out there. It's not necessarily a two tight end committee anymore. Uh, people might argue that, that it could be a one guy thing. Um, and that with Rudolph's sideline for the final four weeks last year, Irv Smith did really well, but he also caught like 15 to 20 targets and he scored three mm-hmm. times. So it's like, yeah. you know, do you expect the same efficiency that wasn't there the four years before? Like they just smashed their averages in the red zone and on big plays. And uh, yeah. I'm just not sure some of that work will be there. And I'm not sure that we want the fourth option in this Minnesota passing game. Yeah, 100%. Um, the last note that I've got here, Ty, I have to take a little bit of a uh, the opposite of a victory lap. So like an L lap or a defeat lap or whatever you... Well, I don't really know quick, Trav, I meant to give you a good uh, shout out for the Mac Jones one. That was a great call. You mocked that pick and look at Mac Jones going out. He's starting for the Patriots. Look and, at us. Uh, that was look a big us, hit Mac. in the mock draft, yeah. Look at us. Um, but yeah, no, the L that I got to take and I will, I am happy to wear it is that Jacob Hollister was cut from the Buffalo Bills. I threw a tweet out there saying that he was the guy that you wanted to own as the tight end uh, for Buffalo. But I, um, I was a little bit too, uh, too steadfast in his corner because I didn't see the tea leaves that were telling me that he was on the roster bubble. Um, do you think with Jacob Hollister gone as that receiving option for Buffalo, do you think Dawson Knox is maybe getting disrespected a little bit as somebody who could be productive for that team who was hopefully relying on Irv Smith to be one of those breakout tight ends? Well, I think it's uh, like the scheme is what we love about, I'll put it this way. I have three of the Bills wide receivers as some of my highest owned guys in best ball. So I'm really targeting and Stefan Diggs is somebody I have all over the place as well. So mm-hmm. I just want the wide receivers. I don't necessarily want the tight end in Bills Nation. They scored like nine points per game in PPR as a position last year, bottom five in tight end PPR scoring from the Bills. And we saw a similar mm-hmm. complex with the running backs there. So the short targets are just not there by design because you have Josh Allen going deep. You have play action working, you have shots taken and you have extended plays and Josh Allen pulling the ball down and running, which is really, he's one of the best scramblers we've ever seen. So, you know, I think we're more likely to see 50 plus PPR points combined by wide receivers per game in Buffalo again in 2021. Uh, then we are to see 10 points per game scored by the tight end position in Buffalo. So as much as I like Dawson Knox in like the 20 plus rounds uh, in an FFPC draft in best ball season, he's just not somebody now that we're switching gears to redraft in 2021 and even dynasty. uh, He's just not somebody that I'm necessarily all over. Maybe in dynasty, I would, uh, I'm a little bit higher, but for redraft, I'm just kind of off of him. Totally. He's a guy that you just stream it up off the waiver wire if, uh, if and, you see he's doing all right. And speaking of Bills, tight ends, gone. Uh, Tyler Croft, I think, deserves a mention. Like, he could be a True. better streamer than Dawson Knox this season just because of situation. 
Totally, totally. And look out for uh, the young man, Kenny Yaboa, as a tight end for the Jets as well. <laughs> Super athletic guy. I don't think he's going to take over that Croft spot because Croft can actually block, and I don't think Kenny Yaboa has that. But he's a big athletic boy, and uh, I liked him coming out in the process. I thought there was some good under-the-radar athletic tight ends in this class, and Kenny Yaboa was one of them. Totally. So I was thinking maybe we could run through some of these situations just to close out the show tonight uh, and look at who we should be keeping our eyes on when it comes to who's going to be adding from the scrap heap, who could even be in trade talks and negotiations to acquire some uh, players from teams who have surpluses at specific positions. Um, So what about the Ravens adding a running back? Do you think that running back will be of consequence or do you kind of trust some of the comments we've heard over the last 48 hours pertaining to Gus Edwards being the guy in Baltimore. Yeah, well, I think they still wanted to have a secondary guy, right? Like, I was still expecting Gus to give you those customary 700, between seven and 800 rushing yards that he's given you the last couple of years. So I think they want somebody to get some of that, and I don't think they're going to rely on Justice Hill for that. So I think it could be somebody of, like, you know, mediocre consequence tied, not, you know, as like mediocre for the scrap heap, but I don't think it's going to be anybody who's going to jump Gus on that depth chart. But I think the guy could surprise and give you some good flex weeks, whoever it might be for sure. And I think this is one of the teams that obviously wants to run the ball more than any other team they definitely have over the last couple of years. So they want also multiple backs at their disposable uh, disposal. And they also want multiple running backs, you know, dressed on game day. <laughs> excuse me um a little frog in your throat there yeah frog my bad it must be frog in your throat that's kind of how i think the chargers rb2 is shaped up like justin jackson has been a little <laughs> bit banged up water is wet uh larry mm-hmm. roundtree and joshua kelly uh have had a somewhat of a battle i think roundtree's kind of won that battle in my opinion but do you think the Chargers are somebody who could just come in and uh, spoil that party for for deep dynasty owners for the RB2? And how much work do you think that guy gets? Because it seems like maybe this is all just another boon for uh, for Austin Eckler. I think it's just that, Ty. And shout out to Austin Eckler, brand new fantasy analyst, by the way. He's got a show with Liz Loza on Yahoo. So that's very, very cool that he's kind of getting into the fantasy football world as an an analyst because he'll bring a really unique perspective for sure. Uh, But I think it's just good for Austin Eckler because I think if they were going to bring in somebody who's going to be of consequence, they probably would have done it by now because you said Justin Jackson was hurt and water is wet. Joshua Kelly's been ineffective and water is wet. Um, We liked him. We liked him early last year because of the opportunity being there and he popped it a little bit in the preseason, but um, it ain't going to happen. Larry Larry Roundtree's kind of that big guy, so he could take a little bit of red zone work, but I think it's Austin Eckler's show, man. I just think they would have brought somebody in by now if they wanted somebody to be a big part behind Eckler. But I think we could see those 200 plus carries from Eckler that I wasn't necessarily on previous tie. So um, the uh, the chips have fallen very nicely for Eckler. So the Falcons, what what are the Falcons doing? Mike Davis is going to see 400 carries then, eh? Yeah, yeah, 400 carries and probably 150 targets, um, and he's going to be the running back one for sure. Um, no man, I just I don't know. I think they are probably one of the biggest bets to bring somebody in. Like a Gallman would be pretty slick there. Um, you know, I could see Royce Freeman going there as somebody with some size as well. Uh, so I think they're going to definitely bring in someone of consequence, actually. I don't think Quadriolison is it. Um, just big, but doesn't really give you a whole bunch of explosiveness necessarily. So I think the guy that comes in 
could be a decent little backup second fiddle to Mike Davis, who um, we love, but let's be honest, he's not going to be the long-term option. Neither is the scrap heap guy. So I think they're just, they might want whoever's being effective to be on the field. So we'll see who the name is, but I don't think it's going to, you know, take Mike Davis off his perch, but I think the guy could be usable from time to time. Yeah. I think they need like a, an explosive early down guy out. Like they need this outside zone schemes, Raheem Mostert or Ty Johns or whatever. They need an explosive guy on early downs, I think to spell Mike Davis. And I think they could also use a pass catching back, you know, to, come in and if Mike Davis is dead tired and it's a passing situation, yeah. like what do you do in that? I just don't know if Quadre Olson can do anything other than convert a third and one. Like, I really don't know what, <laughs> I, I, I don't hate Quadre Olson. I'm just saying, I don't know what his upside really is. Uh, totally. Even from a real life, like roster, I just think he's a dying art. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any other, any other teams you can think of that you're really wondering about running backs? Like you think it's a, it, this story isn't finished yet. Mm, I think you could point to the Dolphins, but you've made really good cases about those other guys being solidified. I think the only reason you point to the Dolphins is because they don't have like a big name, you know what I mean? Or somebody who's given us that 1200 yard season. I think that's the only reason somebody would be pointing to them because the tangible evidence says that they think the guys that are on the team already are going to be effective. So that's one of the other teams that I would point to. How about you? You got any? No, not really. I mean, uh, I was going to whip into these wide receivers anyway. I want to just, you know, try and get this in under an hour tonight. So the Ravens, do you think they come in and add a wide receiver? And what do you think that does to like someone like Hollywood Brown? Or do you think Hollywood Brown is uh, somebody that wins out of all this as well? I think if he can get back on the field, he's definitely, definitely going to be a winner. Uh, we talked about it a little bit as well. Sammy Watkins could be a little bit of a winner early season, but, you know, get off that ship before it sinks. Um, it's just, you know, Hollywood, if he's healthy and Mark Andrews for me. Um, and I don't really think they're going to add necessarily just because, uh, you know, they got Tylen Wallace, who's also there. Um, and it would be like a low level guy to fill out that fourth spot on the depth chart. But I think they're going to kind of, wait for Marquise Hollywood Brown to get healthy and uh, and do a little Sammy Watkins. What about the Colts? They're pretty, you know, they, they made the ads of Tyron Johnson, Kiki Cootie. Do you think they try and like trade for a wide receiver? Because they are a division favorite. You know what I mean? They're, they have the rivals with the Titans who went out and got Julio Jones. Yeah, so, man. You know, do you think they have any uh, aspiration to go trade for like a Brennan Cooks or something crazy? It would have to be a name like that. They're not going to trade for like a mid-level wide receiver. It's going to have to be a big name who profiles as somebody that can be the top target for this team because they had the vote of confidence for TY's injury situation saying that he could be back sooner than later. And they went up and got Tyron Johnson just kind of shows that they don't need to make a trade for that mid-level guy when they already got him. And Tyron Johnson's young and big and fast too. And like, he's a good player. So I actually like him um, more than someone they would go unless they did go for a big name like a Brandon Cooks. But um, I think they're pretty set for the Colts. So speaking of wide receiver, big trades and Brandon Cooks, what about the Saints along the same lines? A team who is going to be competitive this year. Reunited. Reunited would feel so good, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with Jameis in there. I think Brandon Cooks would and look it, really good there. Shout out to Jimbo. You wouldn't have to pay as much as you got for him once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Very, very nice. I like that. I like What's their draft capital situation like? They're one of those teams the who always kind of trade the, away. The Saints, the Saints. Yeah, I don't believe they have their first rounder. That's a good point, yeah. So it would be a tough little one to pull off for the Texans who would definitely be looking for that in return for Brandon Cooks. But um, Mickey Loomis has pulled off weirder trades than that, that's for sure. So he could probably find some way to make it happen. Um, 
I yeah, well, they it, do it does happen. Round. I'm all in. Oh, they, they do, do have their first round pick in 2022. Good for you, Mickey Loomis. Well done. <laughs> um, so it, it it could happen, right? They're on that title push. It depends, though. This isn't Drew Brees, right? This is Jameis Winston. So it really depends on whether they think it's uh, whether they think um, Brandon Cooks could put them over the top. Whereas with Drew Brees in that offense, if they're going for that final push, I could see them maybe trying to invest that. But do they think they're going to win a Super Bowl with Jameis Winston? hard to say is he the long-term answer then go for it is he maybe not then it's kind of hard i definitely think that that division's more up for grabs than people want to admit mm-hmm. i would say with the buccaneers yeah no 100 100 but that's hitching a lot of wagons to Jameis being your starting quarterback when you weren't quite sure up until like two weeks ago right yeah any other teams you want to highlight when it comes to wide receivers seahawks any any team like that your eagles maybe who knows yeah, I mean, the Eagles are always in the mix for a friggin' wide receiver. Um, they just cut Travis Fulgham and kept J.J. Ortega-Whiteside on, on the roster. So um, hopefully that just bodes well for the running game with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside being a big boy who can block. He actually did moss some fool in the preseason, so I will give him that. But that's the only praise that you'll hear from me towards J.J.A.W. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just... I think it's kind of lower level guys and I'm, I'm not really going to be that interested in any of these guys that sign, but there'll be some flying around. I'm sure. Totally. I like the Cardinals too, just as another team Ooh, yeah. and the, uh, the Panthers uh, like as teams to target some wide receivers from like the Cardinals, if they don't pick anyone up, like you have Rondell Moore and new Hopkins, Christian Kirk as well. Like these guys are going at values. I think when you think of the play volume and uh, the efficiency we could see, and then the Panthers cut uh, David Moore. So I think yes. just another shout out to Terrace Marshall. Is he the fourth option in a Sam Darno passing game? Yes, but man, is he talented. And, uh, you know, they really like him apparently with David Moore. Uh, just straight up getting cut. I was surprised about that. Yeah, so was I. So was I. Yeah, just left, that's a good point, Ty. These are teams that put a lot of wide receivers on the field a lot of the time. So those are the ones you will want to monitor when they bring these mid to low level guys to your point about the Cardinals. They did cut Keyshawn Johnson as well. So, um, and you know, Andy Isabella is forever in the abyss of whatever he's in. So I thought he um, could have got cut for sure. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, um, I like that Cardinals call out Ty. Um, and, uh, anything like that we should probably hit before we, you know, get out of here. Cause I think actually Tyron Johnson, I read on my phone, went to uh, the Jaguars. So the Jags, not the Tyron, not Colin. So Tyron over Colin. Now Cowboys signed your boy, right. Corey Clement. Uh, Holy. So irrelevant. Uh, there's, something <laughs> else that, there's something else I saw and I totally forget. Oh, Inkiel Harry to IR another piece of irrelevant. Right. Um, news, uh, Anthony McFarlane and Pittsburgh to the IR. So actually, you know, right. I hate to say this, but what's his face? Uh, from Miami. No, from Miami. Uh, oh. he's the, I think he's the back to own and like, you know, monitor on your watch list. Uh, Kalen Balazs, Kalen Balazs. To, uh, to monitor. And, uh, the saints are losing their home opener. Like they won't be playing that home game. Obviously that was news today. They'll be playing their first home game. That Packers saints game that was supposed to be a new Orleans home game will be played in Jacksonville. Uh, Hodge went to the lions. That's That's a decent one. I do like Kaderil Hodge. Uh, always a guy I've had a little bit of a crush on, but yeah, I think that's, uh, that's about all I, I I saw before. Yeah. uh, before we head out miles break into the ir 
Yeah, needless to say, like stuff has been happening since we came on the air, you know, so just keep an eye on that stuff. Um, there's going to be some little trickle down effect from these cuts with some of these guys signing and they could be significant down the stretch, potentially later in the season, giving you some spike leaks on your roster. So um, definitely some good things to keep an eye on. The only other thing I want to talk about, Ty, is that website that we dropped. We are at the hour mark and I don't want to go too long, but I really want everybody to go and check out that new website. It has been an adventure to build. It's got a ton of good stuff from articles, rankings, podcasts. We got a bunch of data on there from yourself, Ty. So I appreciate you digging through all of that stuff for us to beef up the resources that we offer on the site. We got Joe's auction draft survival kit. And then we also have the Sons of DFS content is hosted on the site as well. So we're really excited. Dan Brown, Nate Williams hosting the brand new DFS content for True North called the SODFS, and that will be premiering tomorrow night. The debut is tomorrow, September 2nd. So uh, real big shout out to them, and you can find all that stuff on the site as well. And we're doing a launch giveaway. Go in there. There's a contact form. Let us know what you think. Give us some feedback on stuff you liked, maybe something that you'd like to see from us, um, and we would be happy to check that out. And if you do, you will get entered into uh, a draw to win a piece of True North swag, so a True North tee from Viridian Global. Shout out to them. So get in there. Let us know what you think, and uh, you'll get entered for a draw. We're going to draw that at the end of week one, so there is still some time. We're letting this launch breathe. Go in there, cruise around, check it out, and let us know what you think. Um, but yeah, until next week, Ty, next week is week one. We will be prepping you for week one, and we are stoked about that. So any parting shots for the people, brother? No, I think we're going to try and rip out some bold predictions and some fun things this week, uh, whether it's solo work or some stuff from the TNFF crew. We'll see. Uh, but definitely want to get some stuff out before the season. Definitely going to fire the Twitter machine back up in uh, in in quick order here. The Instagram, I got to get that going, Trav. And for the data on the site, everything on this new website is so great. I'm so happy that it's kind of the culmination of uh, this amazing team that you've built from, you know, the ground up of clay <laughs> with your bare hands, <laughs> our Lord and Sealer. But I, uh, the data, <laughs> as far as the data goes, people need to... Uh, reach out to us and let us know what you guys are Please. looking for when it comes to data on fantasy football websites, because that's what we want to provide is what people are actually looking for. Not stuff that you have to like mm -hmm. really search through and dig through. Uh, so the data is very much in its infancy in there, but it will be rolled out slowly across the season and raring to go over next off season. Yeah. But yeah, we want the feedback on that side of what people are looking for. But other than that, people should definitely be all over this website using the rankings, using all the, you know, all the information, all the content when it comes to the podcast network that's on there. And uh, you will do just fine with your fantasy drafts coming up over the next week or so. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, truenorthffb.com. You can also find us on Twitter at truenorthffb. The pod account is at tnffpod. And you know where to find Ty and myself. So until next week. Football is coming. We are so stoked. Definitely go check out fantasypoints.com. Promo code's at the bottom of the video there. Um, super, super big thanks to them. We're excited about that. There might be a big mega stream happening for the Fantasy Points Media Group as well. So keep an eye and follow the Fantasy Points social media channels. But yeah, until next week, it's almost here, guys. Peace.